We welcome all of our new online listeners. Hi, my name is Dr. Stephen Finney, the hosting pastor of XL Church in IOM America. My wife Jane and I are blessed that you decided to join us. XL represents Exchange Life. Our church is an outreach of IOM America. Everything we do sits upon the pedestal of compassion. So let's get started. Enjoy the worship, illustrated videos, prayer, and weekly message. One man. A lonely man. He did what others could only dream. He was a pioneer in his own time. His ambition has no limit. He grows. He gets stronger. And now, he calls himself Hi, I'm Don Moen. Psalm 22, verse 3 promises that God will be enthroned on the praises of His people. You know, 
Jesus, we have everything we need. And just as we've sung about him as Jehovah Jireh, our provider, he is Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals us. His name is more powerful than cancer, heart disease, or any disease you can name. Whatever your need, he's here to heal you. Let's confess him as our healer as we sing, You are the God that healeth me. You are the God that healeth me. Hi, friends. I sent a Facebook post out uh, yesterday. Uh, just checking up on you. Where are you from? How are you doing? And I got uh, literally uh, thousands uh, of responses from you. And, uh, you know, from South Africa, from Trinidad, Tobago, Wisconsin, Malaysia, Singapore, the Philippines. Uh, all across Canada. And um, people are saying, oh, about the same thing. Uh, Everybody's getting tired of being uh, locked down, uh, confined to their homes. And uh, I I know uh, some of this has been necessary, but um, I know it's getting old. It's getting old for me. And... um, I found myself just thinking last night, we need a breakthrough. Uh, We need the Lord to turn this around. Give us a breakthrough. Lord, that's our prayer. Breakthrough. Send the answers, Lord. Bring your deliverance. In Jesus' name. Break through our doubts, our fears, our pain. Provide for every need, we pray. In Jesus' name.
We are on a journey, a journey through the book of Revelation. Our main theme is unfolding the power of prophecy. One of the key things we need to keep in mind here is that the book of Revelation is not a book of prophecies. It is prophecies that you've been given since the first day of man being fulfilled. We're honored that you decided to join us. We certainly expect you to be challenged and blessed. Most Christians today avoid the study of this book. There's probably good reasons to that because of the supposed symbols that are within this book. We need to take special care of those symbols because those symbols are communicating exact truth about the book of Revelation. As for our little fellowship, the Lord has blessed us with a deep understanding of his prophecies. I personally have been studying them for over 30 years. We pray that all who listen today will be motivated to study his final words to the seven churches. I started recording this in another room and then I heard the washing machine. Oh, the joy of officing at home. Surprises. You never know what noises are going to appear. So from my noisy home to yours, God bless you. God bless you. May the promise of John 3.16 be yours. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The Bible urges us to set our hope on eternal life. The Bible is a future-facing book. Through the Bible, God urges us to have confidence about the end times. He equips us to face the future. And one way he equips us is by telling us what's going to happen. He tells us about the Antichrist. He tells us about the rapture. I believe that the next major event in history is the rapture. It's described in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 16 through 17. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven, that scripture says. And he will come with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with a trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up. That's the word rapture. Caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Chapter 4, verses 16 and 17 of First Thessalonians. You see, Christians will, upon the signal of Christ, be transported into the presence of Christ. This rapture includes the resurrection of dead believers as well as the transformation of living believers. We will all be together in the presence, the glorious presence of Jesus Christ. And he will escort us into our heavenly home to inaugurate the many, the, the, the the eternal life that he promises. Now, the word rapture does not appear in the Bible, but the phrase caught up does. That scripture I just read uses it. The Latin translation of this Greek term caught up is rapturo, rapturo, R-A-P-T-U-R-O, and that's why Christians speak of the rapture of the saints. I believe this rapture is going to take place prior to a severe seven-year tribulation that will come in which the Antichrist will uh, wreak his horrors on the earth. Several reasons I believe this. One is the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is the most detailed description of the tribulation. 
This description is in chapters 4 through 18. In those chapters, the word church doesn't appear. The word church appears 19 times in the first four chapters, but not once in the following 14. It's as if the church is absent from the tribulation. Also, another reason is Jesus compared the tribulation to the days of Noah as well as the days of Lot. In both cases, the righteous were rescued prior to the calamity. Noah and his family were rescued. They were placed in the ark before the flood came. Lot was rescued from Sodom and Gomorrah. Noah never felt a raindrop. Lot never felt a a, a flash of brimstone. In the same manner, I believe that Jesus will rescue his church and we will not feel the evil of the Antichrist in the tribulation. Number three, he's promised to do so. He's promised to rescue us. You know, Jesus is described as the one who delivers us from the wrath that is to come. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 10. Paul clearly stated, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 9. So we who have been praying, deliver us from evil. That prayer will be answered. And then lastly, the message of the rapture is intended to comfort and bless God's people. After describing the resurrection of the righteous, the Apostle Paul tells us to encourage one another, to encourage each other with these words. Again, back in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 18. If Christians are going to endure the tribulation, how could we encourage one another? How could we encourage each other with those words? But if we're going to be transported into the glorious presence of Christ being prepared as a bride to return with Christ. Now, that's oh, that's encouraging. Now, this resurrection, this resurrection of the righteous, it's going to occur in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, Scripture says. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 52. This word used for moment is A-T-O-M-O-S, a Greek word, from which we get our English word atom. To the degree that the atom is small, this event will be quick. It will happen in the twinkling of an eye. I don't know how you measure the twinkling of an eye. How long is the twinkle of an eye? I think it's too quick to be measured. But that's how long Jesus will need to resurrect his church. Now consider the impact, the implications of this sudden resurrection. Churches will close. God-fearing teachers will vanish. Every faith-based NGO will be vacated. Christian schools will be empty. Christian doctors, lawyers, researchers, and professors all gone in an instant. The salt and light of society around the world will be withdrawn. The Apostle Paul explained the rapture in this fascinating way. He said the secret power of evil is already working in the world. But there is one who is stopping that power. And he will continue to stop it until he is taken out of the way. That's in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 7. Now who is the secret power of evil? Well, that's the devil. And he's 
working through the Antichrist. Who is stopping that power? Who is keeping him at bay? Well, the Holy Spirit is. Through the church. Remove the church. Remove the restraining power of the Holy Spirit from our already fragile world. And the stage is set for a false Messiah to appear. Think about it. What happens when millions not millions, billions of tax-paying, hard-working, God-fearing, God-seeking people suddenly, mysteriously vanish. Who's going to take up the slack? Who's going to step into the vacuum? Who's going to come up with an explanation? Who's going to uh, stem the sudden tidal wave that of fear that is certain to flow all over and sweep the globe? Who's going to do this? Well, the Antichrist will. The stage will be set for the master of deceit to work his evil. And he'll do so with flowing oratory. He'll do so with satanic power. He's going to offer easy solutions. He's going to promise, make exorbitant promises. And he is going to convince the world to believe in him. He will emerge after the rapture, uh, probably to calm no doubt to calm the chaotic waters troubled by the unexplained departure of so many Christians. And, and he's going he's gonna to be primed and ready to speak. He's going to stand before not only a nation, but he's going to stand before the whole world. And he's going to win their approval. I mean, he, he will be like Hitler, who emerged on a scene of such political and, and an economic chaos that people were willing to believe him. And everyone will see the the Antichrist as a man of vision with pragmatic answers and power to unite the world that is in such disruption. Now, is the Antichrist alive today? We have no way of knowing. We have no way of knowing. I think Satan probably has one in each generation ready to use him. But he will not appear until after the Holy Spirit has lifted his restraining power from the earth. Please hear this. Satan does nothing on his own volition. He does nothing on his own volition. He's waiting on God's timing. He's waiting for the shepherd to lead his flock to safe pasture. And once he and they are gone, the wolf will appear at the gate. Now, thanks to Jesus Christ, you don't have to face the Antichrist. You don't. You're going to be protected. You're going to be rescued. You're going to be raptured. You're going to be caught up to be with the Lord forever. Now I'm thinking that somebody probably stumbled upon this message and said, that is the craziest thing I've ever heard. It does sound extreme. But you know, they said that same thing in the days of Noah. In the days of Noah. They did. And I would imagine that those who said it lived to regret it. My dear friend, my dear friend, these are crazy, chaotic times, unlike any that our world has ever seen. And all of a sudden, it seems to me like more than ever, we need to be ready. May you be prepared. Lord, receive today anybody who calls out to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, my friend.
Welcome to the 220 Revelation series. I would like to, to offer a special thank you to Don Moen, our worship leader, and also our special guest today, Max Lucado. Today we start number 29 in our Revelation series. The title is, The Seventh Seal Opened. We'll be doing an introduction with this particular seal because within this seal there's going to be seven trumpets that are going to be announcing some very specific prophecy being fulfilled. Let's take a look at our scripture for today. It's out of Revelation chapter 8 verses 1 through 5 and it says this, When the Lamb broke the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half of an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel came and stood at the altar, holding a golden censer, and much incense was given to him, so that he might add it to the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints went up before God out of the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and threw it to the earth. And there followed pearls of thunder and sounds of flashes of lightning and an earthquake. Taking a quick look at the seven trumpets, in this chapter we find the number of perfection once again. The seventh seal is opened. And out of this seal comes the seven trumpets and is removed from the seven-sealed book. This seal encompasses all that happens during the sounding of the seven trumpets, one at a time. Then on to the seven vials, which roll down into the time when the millennium is ushered in for Christ to reign for his majestic judgment of the thousand-year reign. The first six seals... The first five seals envelop false peace, war, famine, death, and vengeance. Each is describing the birth pangs of prejudgment, which includes the prophecies unfolding leading up to the day of judgment, or the day of the Lord. Keeping in mind that one day to the Lord is a thousand years for mankind. As terrifying as those seals were, they were only warm-ups, for the sixth seal, which marks the starting of the day of judgment, or, as I said, the 1,000-year reign of Jesus Christ. The sixth seal puts all humanity and spiritual beings in a position to acknowledge God as the author and perfecter of perfect peace. Remember, during the sixth seal is when the people were, quote, calling to the mountains and to the rocks, to fall upon them. Certainly sounds like a horrid time for the unsaved. The seventh seal is open. In our passage today, when the Lamb of God unfolds the seventh and last seal, we find God showing us the ownership papers of the deed to the earth. This is a significant moment. This moment when God the Father is about to prove to all unbelievers who is the owner of Israel and all of the land that has been fought over through the ages. All of heaven goes silent for about one half of an hour. 
All of the heavenly hosts are simply waiting and waiting with anticipation, probably thinking, what is God about to do? Each of the seven announcing angels has given a trumpet. I think the multitude, that would be us, true indwell believers included, is expecting a significant announcement. All the sevens from all the ages of God's language to the beasts, humans, and angels are climaxing right before their very eyes, all waiting. A posturing angel approaches the throne in silence, holding a pure censer filled with the aroma of the martyr's prayers, carefully laying it out on the altar of God so it will be burned alongside the prayers of the saints of old. God is about to answer the prayers of all the saints throughout all the ages. This moment is very significant. Be assured of that. The answers to all the saints in wrapped up in the scroll of the seventh seal becomes their long-awaited prayer unto God, and that is when will he take vengeance upon those who persecuted the bride of Christ. Every Christian that ever lived wants their accusers to be judged. That's a fact. If they don't, they are not truly born-again Christians. It might be evidence that they are lukewarm Laodicean types. The Bible is filled with people of God calling out to God to take vengeance upon their enemies. This is the moment of relief. God is about to display a fireworks show of revenge that will appease the most tortured victim, Christ himself. The rebels of Ishmael are about to have their torturous sins held in account. Let's look at the seven personages and dooms. God is so unique in making a point about the number seven, spirit directing the seven churches, the seven seals, the seven trumpets, the seven vials, and about 70 other prophetic numeric symbols. Let's take a look at our first list of seven, covering the seven personages that are mentioned in the book of Revelation. Number one, the sun-clothed woman. This is the great whore that is being spoken of in the book of Revelation. Number two, the dragon. The dragon is the symbol of Satan and his rule as an antichrist. Number three, the man-child. Man-child is a significant figure that is brought up in the book of Revelation multiple times. Then we have the archangel. Number five, we have the Jewish remnant. That's the 144,000. Number six, the beast out of the sea. That is another personage that is a result of Satan's activity. And number seven, the beast of the earth. Even though these personages are represented by one of the six main characters that are mentioned in the Bible. Of course, that's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Then we have Satan, who has a triune himself, and that is the Antichrist, the beast, and the false prophet. In chapters 15 and 16, we find the seven vials filled with the anger of the living God and how he pours it out upon the inhabitants of the earth. Then in chapter 17 through 20, we find the seven dooms. Number one, the doom of the ecclesiastical Babylon. Two, the doom of the commercial Babylon. 
Three, the doom of the beast and the false prophet. Four, the doom of the Antichrist nations. Five, the doom of Gog and Magog. Six, the doom of Satan himself. And seven, eternal doom of the wicked dead. That is those who followed Satan and did not receive the indwelling life of Christ. Now when we look at the seven wonderful new things, we are blessed with these following items. Number one, the new heaven. Two, the new earth. Three, the pearly white city of Zion. Four, the new nations. Five, the new river. Six, the new tree of life. And seven, the new throne. Seven seems to be God's number, his perfect number of perfection, even though it is the oldest number in the calculations of mathematics. Leave it to God to make the lucky number of men to be the perfect number of God. In this passage, God is starting the process of bringing his eternal plan to unity and healing to the forefront of his master plan. He makes a perfect end to sin, weeping, slothful unrighteousness, and horrific generational unrest. He's about to deliver the whole creation from the curse, which is brought down from heaven to earth to judge man and angel for their sins. That's according to Romans 8.22. The God of the sevens is about to give us the record of the opening of the seventh seal. When the seal is removed, all righteous dwellers will stop, wait, watch what the hand of the Lord is going to do. The seal begins to be unrolled. The seven trumpets sound announcing the movement and moment that all have been waiting for. They all stood before God waiting to have God pour out his wrath upon his enemies. Trumpets in hand, trumpets always have been used as a call to soldiers to get ready for war. Each of them are ready to carry out the orders of the horrific judgments hidden beneath the seventh seal, which hold the seven vials of the wrath of the living God. Now get this, the twenty-four elders cease from singing. Cherubim and seraphim cease to praise God. The flutter of the angels' wings no more. Heaven holds their breath. Can you imagine the judgments of the misery, bloodshed, and anguish poured out upon mankind? So terrible that the speechless and silence of both the multitude in heaven and those on the earth will experience. Imagine this, the anguish of those on the earth when the angel took the fire of the altar and threw it to the earth, and there followed perils of thunder and sounds of flashes of lightning resulting in an earthquake. What a moment to behold, all to answer the prayers of the saints. So powerful and loud that it shook the earth into an earthquake that snaps the foundation of man and beast alike. Every believer will be present from Adam forward. All of your dead, unsaved loved ones, perpetrators of Christ, every soul who refused to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and is God, every demon of deception and despair being lined up for judgment, each screaming for deliverance that cannot be found. It's too late for redemption. The good news, if you are born again and dwell believer, you will be on heaven's side in the multitude of silence. Silence is a critical response for righteous people 
particularly when they see their leader, in our case Jesus Christ, begin to show anger. Much different than today in our society, when people hear anger being revealed, they themselves join it. But in this case, if not sorrowful, these individuals will be tortured by the consequences of sin for eternity. Big question here is, where are you? Will you be on the side of destruction and refute? Will you be one of the rebels who will be shaking their fist at God as he pours out the prayers of the saints upon the earth? May God grant you salvation if he so elects. Like most authentic and dwell believers, I myself sorrow over the 90% of the world's living and dead population going to hell. Key note here is as Hebrew law requires, it is likely that only 10% of the humans who become born again and indwelt by the Holy Spirit and walk the narrow path. Matthew 7.13 Once the prayers of the saints were mixed with the fire or the wrath of God and tossed to the earth, the trumpets ready themselves to sound. The stage is set for a complete catastrophic experience for man, beast, and spiritual beings, which is the great day of judgment. Now it is time for the trumpets to sound. In our upcoming message, we're going to be talking about the details of those seven trumpets and what each one of them is going to accomplish. We're going to be starting at Revelation chapter 8, verse 6. And the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound them. The deeper we get into the study of the book of Revelation, particularly from chapter 8 forward, things are going to heat up. But at the same time, for the indwell believers, it should be very exciting to study. It's been an honor to serve you today. It's our hope that this message stimulates an internal revival through his indwelling life. Always remember, though, the Word of God lives in you, that is, if you're born again, and for this simple fact, that the Word of God lives in you as a believer, the Holy Spirit will use the very Word of God who is God to help you understand the study of the book of Revelation. We have a special gift for you. Contact us today and we will send you a free copy of the workbook, Identity Matters, Advancing Life Within. This is a great workbook to help you secure, not just understand, your identity in Jesus Christ. We would be happy to send that to you. Until next time.